Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. It's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing to know that the God of the universe is in love with you. And I'm excited that God has made choice of us and allowed us to come together this uh, Wednesday morning, a beautiful day, a day that the Lord has made. I decided to rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so I'm just glad and grateful that he has chosen to uh, grace us with another another day. I am really enjoying this series. It's uh, it's adding value to my life. It's really um, changing me and motivating me to get closer to God and, and really evaluate what I do um, and how I interact with people and especially those that are closest to me. And so it's just been uh, refreshing. It's been uh, inspiring. It's been challenging as well. Um, and I, I just thank God for it. You know, I'm really up for the challenge. I'm really up for, for the change um, that I need to occur in my life. And because my expectations are high, you know, and, and the Lord has, has promised, he says, he's looking to and fro throughout the whole earth, trying to find that man or that woman whose heart is perfect towards him, that he may show himself to be strong in their behalf. And so that's what I want. I want to be strong in God. I want God, excuse me. I want God to be strong <laughs> in my behalf, you know, and uh, I I look forward to that. I, and so I, I want to do the things necessary um, to uh, kind of get the spotlight on me. So that I can say, God, here I am, you know, here I am. Use me, use me, bless me and, and show yourself to be strong in this earth uh, through me. And so um, I just believe that God uh, wants to do that. I, I believe he wants to uh, choose people that's willing to uh, put and in, in the uh, put an effort forward. He says those that diligently seek me. He that comes to me must believe that I am and that I am a rewarder of those that diligently seek me. And so as we go after God and seek him, he said, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to do some good things for you. And so that's what, you know, I long for. I, and it ain't all about me. It's really about uh, being a blessing unto somebody else. And so you, you got to get to that point where you want to bless other people. You want to, you want to help somebody. And if you ain't got that heart, the, the wonderful thing about it, you can ask God, say, God, give me a heart for your people. You know, that's what Solomon, uh, asked. He said, he said, God, give me wisdom to go in and out before your people, you know? And, and so, we we have we can ask God for what we don't what we lack you know He knows we lack it already so we might as well come clean or stay way dirty. <laughs> so God wants us to um, really just go after Him and go after uh, what He has given us you know um, to pursue. And you know Paul put it this way He says you know what I press toward the mark of the higher calling, which is in Christ Jesus. You know, he said, I forget those things that's behind me and I press. And so you got to get into the press where you allow God to really have his way in your life and, and to show up and show out and in and, um, an exponential way. Um, and so that's what I'm, I'm aiming. That's my goal. You know, um, I got some lofty goals 
and um, God is in the center of them. And so I'm grateful for that. So we're, um, I'm just Antoine. This is um, Quest uh, for Authentic Manhood uh, 33, the series um, hosted by uh, Let's Get Growing, man. And so we're at, at day 31 and we are in volume six and, and, and session three. And so it's been uh, gratifying to me uh, to be able to participate in such such a, uh, a lesson. It's profound. You know, we're talking about man and his fatherhood, right? And and talking about uh, leading with grace and, and loving our family and, and being a, a servant leader and, and so, I mean, it, it's 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 hitting home. It's hitting home, and it's 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 being a really good blessing, and so we're we're grateful for that. Let me go ahead and cue this up this morning. Hallelujah! 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 Praise the name of the Lord. it mean to raise our kids for success? Does it mean that they eventually become good citizens and are financially independent? Does it mean that they land a fulfilling job, get married, and raise a family? Does it mean that you've protected them from trouble and kept them out of harm's way? How do we even determine what success is and who gets to make that decision? Our culture certainly has one set of answers. But how do you define success for your kids with all of the competing versions of the good life that are vying for their attention? Well, in this session, we are going to again hear from Dr. Tim Kimmel. He has thought a lot about what God has to say about success. And in this session, he's going to help us to think about how we can raise our kids for true greatness. Let's listen to what Tim has to say. I want to talk to you about a trap that's easy to fall into as parents. But if we want to raise kids who grow up to make a difference, it's a trap you, you just have to avoid. To set the stage for this, I want you to go on an airplane trip with my wife and I. We live in the Phoenix, Scottsdale area of Arizona, and we were flying to Tampa, St. Pete, by way of Dallas-Fort Worth. We fly a lot, and because of that, we're up in those front seats of the plane a lot. And on this particular flight, we flew to Dallas, switched planes, and took off for Tampa. About halfway through the flight, a man that was in that front section stood up, and he turned around and kind of cased the place and picked out the prettiest woman to hit on. And I couldn't disagree with him. I thought he had excellent taste. He came up by my wife, got down on one knee in the aisle, and did one of those whispers that everyone could hear. He said, hey, beautiful lady, do you know who I am? And she turned around to look, and his face was right here, and he had bloodshot eyes and bourbon on his face, uh, on his breath, and, and she said, I'm sorry, I don't recognize you. And he stood up, he says, I'm the great Bobby Hayes. Well, she turned to look at me, and I looked up from my book. I said, oh, honey, he was a wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. We've watched him play ball when we were in grad school. He went on to fill in more of the resume. He says, I'm the fastest man in the world. 
the fastest man in the world looked like he was going to need a walker to hit on a pretty girl. He says, I'm Bobby the Bullet Hayes. He looked more like a spent casing, which is what happens when you have those guys spearing you with those helmets. He said, when I was in college, I broke the NCAA record in 100, and I was drafted by the U.S. Olympic team, and I, and I represented us in the 1964 Tokyo Olympics. He says it was there that I tied the world record in the, four, in, in the 100, but I broke the world record in the four by. And then you know what he did? He reached in his blazer pocket and took out the gold medal from the 1964 Olympics, put it right down in front of Darcy and said, I'm Bobby the Bullet Hayes. I'm the fastest man in the world. Well, she did what I think you're supposed to do. She held that gold medal in her hands and looked up the faded ribbon to his sad face and said, oh, Bobby, I'm so glad we got to meet you and get to see your medal. Satisfied that he had what he wanted from us, he went on into the rest of the plane and, and, and he went into the coach section. We heard him say very carefully, very succinctly to everybody, do you know who I am? And he ended up introducing everybody back there to Bobby the Bullet Hayes and showing him the medal. Darcy and I's hearts broke for Bobby Hayes. We just broke for him. But we, as we thought about it, we said, but this is exactly how you end up if you chase the goals of the world. It is so easy to get off course. Someone said to Archbishop Desmond Tutu one time, he said, a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. And he corrected me, he says, no, it begins by taking the first step in the right direction. Well, we live in a culture that's real easy. It's real easy to fall into the trap of heading off in the wrong way because most parents have a tendency to aim their children at a future focused on success. Over the years, I've worked with a lot of parents and I, I often quiz them about the efforts they're putting forth. And I say, you're gonna invest decades of time in raising these kids. You're gonna spend a ton of money. You're gonna lose months, if not years of sleep you're probably gonna shed a medium-sized pond of tears. What do you hope happens? How do, what, what do you want the outcome to be for all your efforts? Well, one of the standard things I often hear is, well, I hope they get a good job. Say, good job? Well, you put the word good in front of you. What, what, what would make it a good job? Well, ultimately one that pays well. Anything, well, I hope they marry somebody that's easy on the eyes and looks fairly decent in the Christmas photos. And, and you know, as they talk more, it would be, it'd be nice if, if, uh, you know, they had some influence out there and maybe uh, people kind of knew who they were, that some, some name recognition. And, and it's the standard mantra of people who have wrapped their heart around what I call the success illusion or the success lie. You, you see, we measure success by four measuring uh, standards, wealth, beauty, power, and fame. Now, now, there's nothing wrong with any one of those things in and of themselves, unless that's what we're living our life for, or that's what we're aiming our kids at. And one of the ways this shows up is how easy it is to, to take very legitimate parts of a child's life and over-prioritize them, because we bought into the success lie. It's, it, I see a lot of parents over-prioritizing education. Now, obviously, education's important. I'm an educated person. My, my wife and kids are. We see the cause effect between a good education, harnessing your intellect, and taking on your responsibilities. Uh, but here's the thing. Education's important. It's just not sovereign. That's all. But many times, the reason parents are so emphasizing education is because, well, remember the old, the old saying, just follow the money. It's about 
income. You're, you're assuming that if we get them well-educated, they have a better chance at the future. And once again, there's nothing wrong with doing well, and yet, unless that's what we're overemphasizing. And, and over-prioritizing education, looks, and beauty in sports subjects our kids to the toxic poison of ongoing comparison. Listen, we can sabotage our children's future when we make su success the goal of their future rather than an outcome of living a truly great life. Look how John weighed in on this in, in his book, First John. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. Now, here's, here's why he says why we shouldn't do this. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. If we just concentrate on what's happening in time space, we miss the big picture. We must raise them with forever in mind. And if we aim our children at wealth, beauty, power, and fame, and that's what we focus our attention on, uh, we set them up for an adulthood that is self-absorbed, unnecessarily complicated, and one that can't ever be satisfied. Another thing you need to know is you don't even need God's help. You don't need God's assistance in raising successful kids. Parents that have want nothing to do with God can raise kids that can be very successful in the world's definition. And we may deter our children from relationships and vocations that God has picked out for them simply because they don't fit the standards of these superficial standards of the world. But the bigger reason why it's not a good idea to aim your kids at that is because when you do, you're aiming low. You see, God's word encourages us to aim our children at a future of true greatness. And here's how I like to define true greatness. It, 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 it's raising kids that have a passionate love for Jesus Christ that shows itself in an unquenchable love and concern for others. You see, greatness is all about us and our kids, but true greatness is about how, uh, how God can live through us and our lives can bring glory and ultimate, ultimately make a huge eternal difference. Look, look how he says this in the scripture. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, raising kids to live a life of true greatness sets them up to live extraordinary adult lives. The good thing about uh, uh, true greatness is that all those other things that the world uh, says are important, they fall into place, but in right balance. Learning to live a life of true greatness sends our children into the world, focused upwards towards God, but sensitive outwards towards others. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your minds on things above, not the things that are on the earth. Listen, the future of true greatness is easier to achieve when we build four wonderful qualities into our children's heart. And, and when, I, when I look at true greatness and I see that there's four tangible things that we can use as the measuring stick for this, it changes everything. And it sure uh, eclipses the world's plan. Let me give you these four wonderful qualities because these things, they really, they really do so much more for your kids than anything else that you could do for them. And the first thing is a humble heart. Building a humble heart into your kids, that's a reverence for God and a respect for others. Uh, I, I love this verse. I, I often refer to this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, 
count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. In fact, if, if you want to know how to, to really get uh, your, your heart around grace, it starts with humility. Because it, it says in James, it says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so we want to build humility into our kids' hearts. They're not born humble. None of us are, but we want to build that into a second wonderful quality is a grateful heart. A grateful heart. That's an appreciation for what they have been given and who has given it to them. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Even when tough things are happening, when we know that God is with us through that, that we we know we're never alone, and we, we develop that sense of gratefulness in our heart. It changes everything. And then a third wonderful quality is a generous heart. And that's taking great delight in sharing with others what God has entrusted to you. Look how Luke 6 says this. It says, give, and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Now, this isn't about so much about financial wealth or anything like that. It's talking about a generous heart, a generous attitude, that when we treat other people like that, that pours back over us. A humble heart, a grateful heart, a generous heart. These are wonderful qualities, but the fourth one really ties the bow in the package, and that's a servant's heart. That's a willingness to take action in order to help someone else. When God has a hold of our heart, we're not center stage in our life. He is. And when, we, when he is center stage in our life, we, we look through eyes that he looks through, and he is outwardly focused on the needs of others. We're sensitive to others. It's not just we feel sorry for them or we pity them. We empathize with them, and we put some muscle and sweat behind it. This changes everything. And, and God wants us to build these wonderful qualities into our kid's heart. Okay, so you're saying, well, how do we do that? How in the world do we take these kids who seem to be um, arrogant and ungrateful and selfish and, uh, uh, and lazy, how do we do this? Actually, it's easy. I don't want to say it's, you know, cakewalk, but it's not hard to build the qualities of humility, gratefulness, generosity, and a servant spirit into your kids especially if you do the first thing on my list, and I think you have a good idea what it is. That is, we need to be examples of true greatness to our kids. They need to see a father who has a humble heart, a grateful heart, a generous heart, and a servant's heart. Living this out, not every once in a while, but this becomes the, the way we live our life. It's second nature to us, and that will happen when Jesus is center stage in our life. When we have taken upon ourselves to do that journey with him and walk with him and hand him our heart. But besides being an example, the second way to help build these into our kids' hearts is you, you have humility, gratefulness, generosity, and a servant spirit become the expectation in your home rather than the exception. What my wife Darcy and I did is we just, we just said, this is all that's going to work with these kids. In other words, if, they, if they're humble, they're grateful, they're generous, everything goes well. But if they give us short of that, if, they're, if they are 
uh, arrogant, or if they are selfish, or they don't want to help, or, or they're ungrateful, they will always get pushback on that. That will always be costly to them. We wanted them to know that this house, this, this is how we're hardwired, not because there's anything good about us, but because of the wonderful thing there is about Jesus and what he did for us by buying us on the cross. And then a third way is you, you want to provide opportunities for your children to experience the lifestyle of true greatness. And, and that means creating the, the, the responsibilities and the dilemmas that have them going out there and serving. Listen, when we have Jesus center stage in our life, when grace is defining who we are as a family, it should be better for all the people that live on our street or in our apartment that we live there. Not because we're, there's anything so clever about us, but because Jesus' heart is coming out of this family to the people around us. When your kids go to school, it should be better for the teacher and the other students that that kid is in their class just because they have these wonderful qualities. When you go to work, it should be better for the company that you work for or the people you work with that they have somebody that, that, that exudes humility, gratefulness, generosity, and a servant spirit. That's what true greatness is about. It's, it's about focusing so much on God that you're sensitive outwards and making other people's lives better. You're raising the stock value of people around you. And, and then, and then a, a fourth way we can help build these into our kids is valuing and praising our children's efforts when you see them show that. You say, now why should we go and applaud our kids or, or say, well done, when, when, when uh, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do anyway if they're, if they're Christians? Well, I don't want to be a name dropper, but the Bible says that Jesus looks forward to someday welcoming us and with his, the, those nail-scarred hands applauding us and saying, well done, good and faithful servants. Listen, aiming children at true greatness within an atmosphere of grace of a grace-filled home automatically brings the best out of them. Let me, I'll, I'll give you a little laundry list of benefits of raising your kids for true great. It curbs sibling rivalry. It empowers kids to focus better in school. It inclines them toward better friends. It prepares them to deal with difficult people. It gives children more respect for leadership and authority, especially yours. It helps kids respond more positively to correction, especially from you. And it sets them up to be greater assets to the future. I love the way Neil Postman said it. He says, children are a gift we send to a time we will not see. And we want to send an asset into the future, not a liability. We want to send a giver, not a taker. And, and when we aim our kids at true greatness by aiming our own lives at it, you, you can just see that happen automatically. Now, aiming our children at true greatness prepares them to answer the three biggest questions they're going to face in life. The first question is, what is my mission in life going to be? In other words, what am I going to do with what God has gifted me to work with? Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And, and so the cool thing about raising kids for true greatness is that we're actually setting them up to be very uh, marketable and successful in the future because the marketplace is hungry for people who are humble and grateful and generous and servant-hearted. Uh, that they, they would much rather have that than just the intellectual prowess and skill set. And a commitment to true greatness frees your children up to pursue God's plan for, for their life rather than the world's, because they're going to be out there making a living, and it's just so much easier when they're making it with God's perspective. And if your children ends up making a lot of money, their commitment to true greatness automatically makes them a better steward of it. Just think how the values like humility, gratefulness, generosity, and servant spirit would help them handle their money better. But if God calls your children to a vocation that isn't financially rewarding, 
but this is what they're called to do, they can, they can still live an extraordinary life and enjoy contentment with their financial position. We had a couple in our church, and they, they, they got up every morning, and they basically snorted the lines, the four lines of the success illusion. I mean, they just nailed it. The wealth, beauty, power, fame was all their life. And even though they sat in our church every Sunday, and they heard all the messages and saying all the songs about God's grace, they missed the big picture. They had a son. They sent off to a college in Southern California, and it was a high-end school. It was expensive, but the kid could not quite figure out you know, what he should, what track he should be on. He tried some different things. They were getting a little frustrated with him. And then he did some, uh, some stuff in the summertime, some internship. And he came back home and he said, I found it out. Mom, dad, I know what God has put me on earth to be. And I'm going to focus in on this. And I'm going to major in this because I'm very excited. And of course, they were excited. They said, well, what is it? He said, mom, dad, I'm going to be a fourth grade teacher. I'm going to teach the fourth grade. The implosion was immediate. The father said, you mean to tell me I put out all this, this money for this high-end school, and you're going to, here's this word, throw it away, being a fourth-grade teacher? His mother said, you can't attract a decent woman on a fourth-grade teacher's pay. You can't put granite countertops out with a fourth-grade teacher's pay. They didn't miss it so much. Let me ask you a question, man. How important was your fourth-grade teacher? In fact, how important were all your teachers, your coaches? These are people that don't necessarily get paid a lot of money, but they play such a critical role. If that's what this kid was designed to be, what could be better? Unless, of course, you drank the Kool-Aid of this world and think that real significance is wrapped up in status and money and influence. True greatness, set your kids up to answer that question right. What's my mission in life going to be? The second big question is, who's my mate going to be? Well, here's the good news. Truly great kids tend to fall in love with truly great kids. There's an old saying that says, you're either doubled or halved on your wedding day. And I mean, it's true. But the cool thing about truly great kids is they tend to be quadrupled on their wedding day. And just think of the benefits of, of humility, gratefulness, generosity, and service spirit, what that would bring to a marriage. Talking about a wonderful wedding gift you give your kids by building them up this way. What is my mission in life going to be? Who's my mate going to be? The third and last question your kids have to answer is, who's my master going to be? Listen, we don't have a choice of whether we're going to be mastered. That's a foregone conclusion. The only choice is by whom. You know, Bob Dylan produced an album one time called Slow Train Coming, and he had some great songs on it. And there's one there that had lines that went something like this. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yeah, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, if that's so, I, I kind of default to where, what Joshua said there. To, uh, he says, look, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. C.S. Lewis, he really nailed it. He put it this way. He says, you know, if you aim at heaven, you'll get earth thrown in, but you aim at earth, and you get neither. Listen, when our children choose to make God the master of their life, the other two big questions of, of what their mission in life and who their mate is going to be are more likely to be answered well. Listen, men, we have a chance. We have a huge chance to let God own our life. And when he does, he can 
help us take this role. Hey guys, I just wanted to jump in there. Is that profound or what? Letting God be the center of your life and allowing your children just to uh, have that freedom to serve God and to see you serve God um, and, and then watch you grow and change, even if it depends, it don't even matter where you are in your child's life right now, what stage of life you're in or what stage of life your child is in. When you make that change to God and to go after God, they can see that and they can they can thirst and hunger for that. God will do something extraordinary in your family when you just say, you know what, God, I, I, I'm going to try you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm to try making you the center focus of my life. And because you know what? If you're like me, I, I found out I miserably failed, right? <laughs> I, I was failing and I, I still have a lot of failures. But when I know that God is in my life and he's the center of my life, it just makes things so much easier because he loves me unconditionally. No matter, no matter how many times I fail, no matter how many times, you know, I have to ask for forgiveness, you know, and, 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 and just putting that love into our, pouring that love into our children. What a blessing, what a blessing when they can soar in life with these uh, principles as a guiding force um, to really have good success. And that's what it's really all about. I'm loving this, man. You, you know, uh, you hear people often say that we don't have instructions on how to raise kids. They don't come with instructions. Well, the Bible clearly gives us instructions and we just have to get in it. And here with uh, 33, the series, and they are really laying it out and it's really laid out nice nice and simple where we can really grasp it's tangible right things that we can put into action right away with our families and and our loved ones and our children and so that's what it's all about just you know getting into that relationship with God and allowing him to have his way you you may say well I'm in a relationship with him that's wonderful now we just need to increase it right <laughs> praise God and, and and some of us we, we you know we we're, we're scared to make that commitment to God because we think that you know think about what other folks going to say and this that and the other you know there ought to be a time where we get tired of that right and because people, we can't please people. If we live our lives trying to please people, we're going to always be miserable. We're going to always be disappointed because they can't give us what we need, right? The equation will never equal out, right? And so uh, we have to really go after God. And, and, and we're here to help. You know, we're here to walk with you, talk with you guide you along the way. Um, God, I'm sure he'll bring some other people in your in your midst that will uh, assist you in, in, in doing this as well. And, and so we're we're grateful for that. Let us go ahead and finish this out. I'm excited. Uh, today is my birthday. Um, I'm, I'm uh, 51 years old. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm getting up there. Praise God. But you know what? I, I got some aspirations, uh, some goals, 
that are 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 uh, just just hitting hitting the roof, the ceiling, um, and beyond. And um, I'm 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 expecting to see some good things in the land of the living. You know, as long as the Lord allows me to be here. And so, let's get back going over here, and uh, I'll come back in just a few minutes to close this out. Dismantle of dad and take kids that are have all kinds of issues and still help us lead them to a life of true greatness. Well, Tim, thanks for that challenge. To, <laughs> just to get us to redefine what greatness is and to aim higher, to aim for true greatness. Uh, but, you know, the, the success trap is not just something that, that kids face on their own. They kind of get it from their parents. How, how can you help us to avoid the success trap? Well, I think the best way to avoid the success trap, like to avoid anything that uh, is, is a trap out there, is assume you're inclined to go for it. That we all are kind of hardwired as human beings to desire success and all of the superficial things that, and shallow things that may go with it. And, and much like if you have a drinking problem or a gambling problem or an eating problem, the best way to keep it in check is say, I have these problems. I'm not kidding myself about it. I, and, and so you, you do the steps needed. You get the accountability. You, you, you have the, the, the mental checks on it. Then as you pursue true greatness, you can only do that by pursuing the, one, the only one who truly is great, and that's Jesus. And the more he gets a hold of your life, the more he diminishes the lure of the world and the things of the world. And, 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 and then when we're letting him do that to us, we also have these little kids following us around and watching us. And, uh, and their kids are going to, they're going to basically go, go by what we were far more than what we taught them. Uh, you can teach them all the right things all you want, but they're watching who we are. And so when we go that direction, everybody wins. Tim, you mentioned uh, the concept of uh, the toxic uh, poison of, of competition, of comparison. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about that. Well, it, it goes with the success illusion. It, they, they, they are they're conjoined twins that if you go after, uh, if you're living your life for wealth, beauty, power, fame, you've just asked to, to take the toxic poison pill of comparison every day. Now, now think of what that does to our kids. Uh, when it comes to education, everything. Think of what that does when they come to marriage. Mm. If that's all they've been hardwired at, and God says, "No, no, no, we got something a whole lot better than that," mm. and He wants to free us up from that. And that's why I think uh, the 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 success lies a trap for fools, mm. and we all know how easy it is to fall into it. Tim, I know some some of us when we hear, "Don't point your kids toward worldly success," mm -hmm. kind of hear what, you know, what might be successful? Like talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that, the nuance there between greatness and success. Oh yeah, that, there, here's the thing. If, if we aim our kids at true greatness, we're more inclined to set them up to be more successful from, from the things that matter here in time and space. They're, they're, they're gonna be more valuable to the work, workplace and probably uh, have a chance to the higher position just because, well, they bring not only skill set, but humility, gratefulness, generosity, and service spirit. Um, uh, you can have great athletes, you can have great scholars and all, but, but those things are about here or physical skill. We want to get this stuff right. When we get this stuff right, then all that other stuff makes a whole lot more sense. I, 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 I've seen people that I know were 
aimed at success, they did very well in some area of their life, but they couldn't handle all the other clutter that comes with it. Whereas this has given kids much more balance and durability. Yeah, you know, I think our inclination, uh, when we think about true greatness, we think, well, the best place to achieve this is in a bubble, mm-hmm. you know, to just kind of uh, uh, huddle up and hunker down and, and keep the kids safe. But but you're not talking about raising just safe kids, are you? No. In fact, if you if your inclination and your your goal is to raise a bunch of safe kids, then you probably will never get to raise truly great kids. They, they just don't work the same. God has not called us to raise safe kids. He's called us to raise strong kids. And when Darcy and I were raising our kids, uh, we were very aware of the clear and present danger of the culture around us, but we also were very aware of a mighty God who is bigger than it all, who trumps it all. And and we wanted our, to raise kids in the middle of uh, the hostile world, not to survive in it, but to thrive in it, where it actually made them stronger and better. And and that that can happen even even more so when our hearts are focused on Christ and we're aiming our lives at caring for others. Well, Tim, thank you so much. And it's a big help to us as, as, as dads. Thank you. Guys, Tim Kimmel is awesome. I love how he explains the idea of true greatness for our kids. In this world, our kids are going to face a culture that loves performance and external success. They'll be strongly tempted to chase money, power, fame, and beauty. But we have the opportunity to set them on a different trajectory, a trajectory for greatness in God's eyes, true greatness. Be sure to check out all of Tim's resources at familymatters.net. Also, make sure that you take some time after your small group discussion to write down your takeaways from this session, your strategic moves that will help you move toward raising your kids for true greatness. Guys, if you write it down, you're more likely to act on it. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 147. He reminds us that God doesn't define success by externals. He says that God's delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. See you next session. Do I have what it takes? Am I the real deal? Do I measure up? Am I made of the right stuff? Like it or not, fathering a son is much more akin to growing a tree than it is to constructing a building. You can't tame a boy. When they think of what it means to be a man, well, they see us. They just want you to love them and listen to them. How a man nurtures a boy directly affects who he will grow into as a man. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Man, it's, it's, it's very challenging, um, but it's, it's so delightful that we have the Lord to work with us and through us and and, and be by our side as we go through this and and be able to inspire others. Um, Brother Bobby, thank you for uh, wishing me a happy birthday. I appreciate that. Um, and, you know, 
we're not in this alone. God has left us his spirit. He's left us great men and women that can come alongside us and assist us in, 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 in accomplishing the goals that God has for us. Okay, I'm going to say this again, and I'm going to let you go. Okay, so if God is requiring something out of you in me, he's going to give us his ability. He's going to anoint us to do that. But we got to ask for that anointing. We got to ask for his ability. We have to ask for his help. And he has given that ability and that help through the Holy Spirit. And he'll use others, him and others, right? To give us the help that we need, the assistance, the aid, the come alongside that we need to be able to perform that which he's calling us to do. It's profound, you know, but God is here for us. He knew that we couldn't make it alone. Jesus said, he said, I haven't, I've been with you so long and you still don't know me. He said, it's expedient for you that I go away because if I go not away, the comforter will not come, but I'm going to go and I'm going to send him. And when he, the spirit of truth is come, he's going to lead you into all truth. And so, you know, that's what it's all about. It's the Holy Spirit's dispensation. It's his time. It's his hour. And he's going to help us. He's our tutor. He's our guide. He's our instructor. Amen. And he's going to take us into the truth of God. This is just Antoine. I'm excited uh, about Let's Get Growing, man. And we're here ready to move forward in the great things that God has for us. I'll see you at the top. Bye for now.